I end up giving away so much of what I grow because I'm so excited about growing, I sometimes forget about the eating. And, and if you focus instead on what you like to eat, that's one of the best ways to get gardeners enthusiastic about gardening. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today, I'm joined by Scott Wilson. That was the voice you just heard. Now, me and Scott had a fantastic chat about his life in horticulture, how he got into it, and how much he enjoyed being in horticulture and his his huge amount of experience. And specifically, he dedicated himself to helping children uh, get into gardening, um, working in a school. Um, And I had a really good chat with it, and it's always nice to meet people who are dedicated to helping the next generation get into horticulture. I've mentioned on the podcast several times that the whole industry at times feels like it's aging and I mean that in the nicest possible way we need younger people to come into it I used to be one of those younger people but approaching 40 I'm not even close to that anymore um, so we definitely need new people to get into it and we need it for other reasons as well um, when you look at the environmental issues that are going on and you look at people's way of life and how they get through their life and the well-being and and everything that gardening can bring to people it's fantastic to have even if you don't get into it from a professional level so that contact with nature i think is really really important now i wanted to talk to you today a little bit before we start the podcast um, and our interview with scott about an episode we're planning hopefully before Christmas, if not, it'll be soon after Christmas. Um, I don't suppose many of you can be listening to me on Christmas afternoon instead of the Queen, but you never know. Um, yeah, I want to do a special with regards to our business, uh, how we got into business, uh, and actually interview my my mother and my father. Um, they've been in the business for a, for a long, long time now. Um, it was started, as I mentioned uh, previously on podcasts by my my nan and my granddad, but I really wanted to let people know how our business started, everything it's been through, and really cover that. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to recording that um, with my with my mother and father, my mum and dad. Um, so that'll be an interesting recording, um, and uh, hope I'll probably learn a fair bit about how the business has gone through the years as well. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that, and we're obviously letting you know on social and bits and pieces when that episode's coming up. Um, but without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. Well, thank you, Alan. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really nice of you to join us. Now, listeners will be able to hear a slight accent. So where are you joining us from? So I'm actually joining you from Colorado in the United States. It's a beautiful, sunny mountain day. Excellent. And uh, what sort of temperature is it out there at the moment? So at the moment, it's actually pretty cool. It's about um, five degrees Celsius. It's supposed to warm up today to about 10 or 12 but uh, tomorrow the high will actually be about five degrees so we're in a period where it's lots of ups and lots of downs hmm, interesting and i i always associate it be a bit warmer than that but obviously not well we're actually uh where i live it's just east of the rocky mountains and so 
my elevation is about 6,500 feet. And so because of that high elevation and being close to the mountains, we get very cold nights, very sunny days. And particularly this time of year, the weather's all over the place. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into gardening. Uh, well, I actually got into gardening relatively late in life. Uh, I'm, I'm one of your older guests, I'm assuming. Uh, in my youth, about 50 years ago, I spent summers with my aunt and uncle and cousins, and it was there that I was first exposed to gardening. And one of my earliest memories is helping to gather the vegetables for dinner with my aunt. And this is in California where everything grows great. And she handed me that large, plump, beautiful red tomato that was warm from the afternoon sun and told me to eat it. And, and that was a totally new experience for me. And so I bit into it, the juice exploded all over my face, and it was one of the most delicious, it's still one of the most delicious things that I've ever eaten. And I went home and my parents didn't garden, my neighbors don't garden, I had no exposure to gardening at all, but I remembered that experience in my youth. And years later, when I had a family of my own, I actually started gardening on a very small scale. I uh, was a career United States Air Force officer, a pilot. So we moved around an awful lot, which meant I could never really get a garden established but I could grow a few things during the summer. And, and my, my kids today still remember some of those early plots. But it wasn't until I retired from the Air Force after a 20-year career that I really started getting into gardening. And that's been about 15 years ago. Excellent. And what do you do now? And so now I'm actually uh, retired full-time after... Uh, Retiring from the Air Force, I, I got into a, a program we have here in the States called a Master Gardener Program, where, where we're certified by state universities as experts, and I use air quotes on that, to help the, uh, the community answer questions with uh, their gardens and yards. And I started teaching gardening classes in the local area and kind of became a, a recognized uh, local expert. And then I was hired as my second career to uh, build a school garden at a local middle school. Uh, those are 11 and 12 year olds. And I continued to teach classes and I retired from that job about a year ago. And now I'm focused almost full-time on my YouTube channel and continuing classes and educating the public on gardening. Hmm. And do you think, uh, because you you started off in life with, uh, other than those early memories, not a huge amount of gardening background, do you think that's inspired you to help younger people get into it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, it it really wasn't until I started working with the youth that I fully appreciated just what gardening can mean to an individual and to a family. You know, for me, I've, 
I've enjoyed it. I think a lot of gardeners get into it just to dabble a little bit, you know, maybe have some fresh veg with dinner. And it it's not until you see a child, and my school was a lot of underprivileged children, and they didn't have access to, to the veg and to the fruits. And in our school garden, some of these kids were eating fresh vegetables for the very first time. Wow. And, and it's incredible to see an 11 year old girl's eyes light up when she, she pulls a carrot out of the ground and says, I didn't know carrots grew in the ground and then washes it off and eats it. And, and it's made her day. And so many of those youth would come to me and say that they had started gardens at home and their grandparents or their aunts or uncles or or whoever they were living with would also come to me and ask for seeds so that the whole family could continue to to pursue that that new taste that new new essence that was so so fresh and uh it's just so rewarding hmm. and give us a picture of what the environment is like around you and around the school you mentioned the rocky mountains so i'm picturing very wide open spaces am i wrong is there in a city there uh, yes, actually, uh, the city is Colorado Springs. We're about 600,000 people. So it's the uh, second largest city in the state. And we're right on the edge of the Rocky Mountains. And so for a thousand miles to the east, it's the Great Plains of the United States. It's quite flat. But because of our high elevation, it's, it's uh, a high altitude, semi-arid region we get less than 18 inches total precipitation per year our extremes of temperature range uh, from about uh, minus 20 uh, fahrenheit which uh, is i think that's about like minus 12 centigrade uh, all the way up to about 30 degrees celsius in the summer and our winds in the spring in the fall typically are 60, even 70 miles per hour uh, on a regular basis. We have tornadoes that come through. We have thunderstorms in the afternoon and our soil is very alkaline, very sandy typically. And so it's, it's a very challenging gardening environment. And I imagine, I mean, that's challenging for someone who's dedicated to to it and who knows about it. Uh, but the kids you were you were teaching, am I picking up that they didn't grow up in an environment where gardening was something their parents did? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The school and and much of the city actually, uh, there there aren't farms around our city, and and even though I and many others locally have tried to. To get the local politicians on board, we don't have programs like you have in the UK with allotments. There, there really isn't any way for the people living in the city, particularly the kids, to ever be exposed to a garden. And uh, and so you're probably familiar with the term food desert regions where the the families really don't have an opportunity for fresh food other than you know fast food restaurants and and supermarkets and and that's really indicative of the area where the school was in a lot of our city 
And so when a when a new child comes into into the class and you're, and you're ready to teach them, where do you start when they've got no background at all? Uh, that's a great question because that was one of my biggest challenges uh, when I started working in the program. Uh, like I said, I'd been teaching classes for about ten years, um, almost exclusively to adults. I thought I knew a lot about gardening, and then to have an a, a 11 or 12 year old boy or girl ask a question about gardening that is completely unexpected and asked in a way that that it's difficult to answer because they don't understand the basics you know to to point to a raised bed and hand them a pack of seeds and ask them to to sow the seeds all of those concepts were completely foreign they had never seen or heard of a raised bed before and they would look at a seat packet but not be able to interpret what it meant and so we had to start with the basics actually with seat packets and explain what planting depth meant and what spacing meant and what soil was and what a raised bed was and then to get out and and of course starting with the seeds um by demonstration show how to put a seed in the ground and then carry it through the entire process we were able to have the kids sow the seeds water weed mulch and all the way up to harvest and we actually had a program we worked with a senior citizen center that was just up the street and some of our students would harvest in the morning and we had little garden wagons and we would walk up the street and set up a little farmer's market in the senior center and the kids would sell their own produce haggle over prices and they were able to see the entire process of essentially a little small city farm it, it was wonderful hmm. that's fantastic and i imagine uh, and correct me if i'm wrong uh you potentially a good place to start is um and i'm thinking for listeners out there who perhaps uh, want to get their kids into gardening uh, a good place to start is something that germinates nice and quickly and you crop nice and quickly would that be right oh absolutely yeah the the, the one uh probably the primary issue we had with that particular school garden here in the states and and i think it's it's similar most places around the world but the summers uh or during the summer there's no school so the school year really is only the the fall winter and spring and particularly in a region like ours where the winters are so harsh there's really only a small window in the fall and a small window in the spring where we could uh have the kids grow the entire uh, way with the process of seed to harvest. And so a lot of radishes, a lot of lettuce, a lot of spinach. We would start indoors plants like uh, peppers and tomatoes, and we'd start those in the winter, put them in as soon as we could in the spring. And so the kids could be involved with that part of the process. And then I was actually a full-time employee over the summer. So I kept the garden alive. So when the kids came back, now the tomatoes are fully mature and they could harvest. But for, for your listeners who want to expose kids to, to the process, yeah, I would recommend lettuce, radish, those 30-day those crops where they could go come back every day and actually measure the growth. And we did that a lot too. That's a great experience for kids 
to take a ruler and actually from day to day measure how fast and how big the plants are growing in a very short amount of time. And I think for people listening, I think it is important. You mentioned their 30 day crops. Crops can be that quick. Uh, and some people think that it's always going to be a lot longer than that. But some radishes are a great example can be very, very quick. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, if you if you do it right, and this is something I always encourage new gardeners as well with succession planting, where you you plant Monday this week and then you you put more seeds in Monday next week and more seeds in Monday the following week. And because they're they're maturing so quickly, you can use them on a regular basis and you've always got another crop ready to go a week later. Hmm. Excellent. I think that's a fantastic tip um, and that works really, really well. Um, and it also encourages you to to use your crop more regularly, I found. Yeah, th- yeah that's a good point. Uh, you know, I'm one of those gardeners who I try everything and every year I'm trying new varieties and I'm extending my garden and it gets real easy when you just grow so much to forget to harvest and forget to eat it. And I end up giving away so much of what I grow because I'm so excited about growing. I sometimes forget about the eating. And, and if you focus instead on what you like to eat, that's one of the best ways to get gardeners enthusiastic about gardening because be it radishes or lettuce or whatever, yes, if, if you're growing it to eat and eat it on a regular basis, it makes you want to grow more and expand into some new areas and try foods that maybe you hadn't tried before. Mm, definitely. And I wonder, uh, I don't know how it works uh, in the States, but I wonder whether you've got to find out whether you've inspired any budding gardeners. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for asking that. Uh, I, I most recently have the experience with my YouTube channel of of hearing that exact uh, inspiration come through from places all over the world. When I started my channel, I was really focused on trying to get information to to youth and to parents who would be teaching youth. And and what I found since my channel has really taken off this this last year, about forty percent of my audience is outside the United States, and most of the people that are watching my videos are brand new gardeners. And almost every day. I'm responding to comments from people who are who are saying exactly that, that they are inspired to try something new. Uh, I, I had a, a watcher, a subscriber in Indonesia who, after watching my videos, asked if he could use them as instructional material because he had approached the minister in his church and he wanted to start a gardening education program in his church in indonesia using my videos and i i just can't think of of anything else that that could tell me that what i'm doing is making a difference that it really is influencing gardeners that's fantastic so take us through a little bit about what people can see on your youtube channel and and so my my channel, I, I say it's everything gardening and gardening for everyone. 
and and I'm really covering all aspects. I I have videos on how to sow seeds and how to collect and save seeds and how to plant tomatoes and how to prune tomatoes and how to trellis tomatoes. But I also have videos on how to prune lilacs and how to plant bulbs. And, and I just try to document and explain everything I'm doing in the garden and most of the things that I anticipate that others would do in the garden. And I think the approach that, that I take, which is slightly different from a lot of other video creators, is that I really try to explain why we garden the way we garden. And, and I certainly don't say that my way is best, but, but I'll demonstrate my way. And then I also try to demonstrate alternatives because, you know, the UK has a completely different environment than Colorado in the United States. And I can't tell you how to do something that would be best for you, but I can show you a process and then explain why the process works based on research, peer-reviewed journals, university studies, and of course, my own experience. And I think that's why it resonates so much with so many new gardeners is because, and, and you've seen them, the videos that say, this is how you do something in the garden. <laughs> and, and particularly in my region, you know, the, the, the gardening shows, the few that we have in the States typically are filmed and produced in the, uh, the Eastern United States. And their soil is, is acidic and they get lots of rainfall. And they tell you how to garden. Well, here in the Rocky Mountains where our soil is alkaline and we get very little rainfall, if we were to do it the way they tell us how, we would have absolutely no success at all. And so my videos, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit verbose at times, but I really do try to cover in depth why the garden process is done the way it is. And, and that's where the positive feedback has really come in with the new gardener saying that now they understand. And that's really what I'm trying to get is for, for gardeners to understand it. Because if you understand it, then when the mistakes happen and we, we know we're going to have garden failures, but then you can analyze it and learn from it. And based on that evaluation, maybe next year do it a little bit differently and have a better garden and more success. Exactly. And I think uh, just through interviewing people and talking to, to gardeners uh, from all over the world, I think it's very easy if you know what you're doing to actually skip that bit i think it's important that people do know that the fact that you know it uh, just showing someone doesn't necessarily mean they're going to understand it intuitively and i'm guessing some of that understanding must come from teaching the children because you must have had to learn how they pick up the information oh absolutely in fact um it it's one of those things where uh i i didn't realize how much more I needed to know about gardening until I started working with the youth because I, I couldn't just say do it this way. And because like we discussed earlier, they didn't understand the basic terminology. So I really did have to learn a new way of talking 
about gardening so that it could be understood by 11 and 12 year olds. And then as time went by and I started making the videos, that became an ingrained part of, of my method was being able to explain it to someone who didn't understand the basic terminology. And, and I think, uh, you know, many of the, the gardening educators that are out there have an assumption about their audience. And I had some of those assumptions as well. And it wasn't until I approached it from the perspective of, of a child that I really began to understand for myself what it was that I knew about gardening and how I could explain it. Hmm. And let's face it, actually, children are, are better at learning things than, than any adult could be in general. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and their enthusiasm, once they realize that they get it right, is, hmm. uh, it's, it's wonderful. It is fantastic, definitely. Uh, I know that from from helping people with gardening and from my own children as well. Yeah, it really is uh, very fulfilling to see them do something and for it to grow. Um, it's yeah, really, really is fantastic. So, tell us a little bit about your garden. And so, um, my garden, uh, and I'm glad you asked because I was anticipating this question. <laughs> so, uh, when I when I realized at the school how little I knew, even after having taught public classes for 10 years, I really made an effort to learn all I could. I became a sponge, watching videos, reading blogs, even more books than I had read previously. And I discovered Gardener's World in the UK and, mm -hmm. and just think that's one of the most amazing gardening shows that's ever been produced. And I became a huge fan of Monty Don. And after I retired last year from the school garden, I, I realized that I wanted to move into this, this new arena with the YouTube videos. And so I have moved into an area outside of town, uh, flat, dry, windy, but it's a half acre of open space. And so I'm I'm attempting to take an approach that that I'm emulating Monty Don in some respects, but I am building and creating a garden from scratch and documenting the entire process through the building of the beds uh, and and filling the beds. It's incredible. This is why I say some of the assumptions about my viewers were were wrong. I. I needed to fill some of the new raised beds that I had built. And I was just going to fill those beds that then I decided, you know, that's a basic gardening task that there might be some gardeners out there that don't realize what's involved and how you can save money when you, you need to get the soil to fill a raised bed. And so I filmed it, released it, and within a week had 200,000 views of a video on how to fill a raised bed with soil. <laughs> and, and that just blew my mind that so, something that I thought was so simplistic was really the type of information that a lot of gardeners are looking for. And, and it's a lot of that basic information that's so hard to find. And so my garden right now uh, is a few beds. I, it's got a few plants. I've been landscaping the front yard that we're going into the winter now. And 
I'm anticipating the next five years in particular of just having an expanding garden and new plants and showing how a gardener can literally start with a bare patch of ground and turn it into a beautiful area to enjoy. Hmm. And obviously uh, the States is, is big. You've got a lot of space there. But you must have a huge amount of people who are who are living in cities and uh, very very small plots. Is that uh, an issue in the states as it is here? Um, it it is. Uh, you know, it depends on on the area of the states. Of of course, you know the I'm in the middle of the United States and there's land everywhere. But you know, as as we talked about earlier, just a few miles away from me in the heart of the city. Are our neighborhoods with very little land, and as much building the new builds we have going on in this area, the trend is for very large houses in the United States with very small yards. Right. And the neighborhoods that are continuing to expand to where I live now follow that that same concept, and so. Even though they're big neighborhoods and we've got lots of land, the actual space that people have to garden in, I think, is shrinking throughout the United States. And we just don't have as much interest in gardening. You know, the allotment system that the UK has, the primetime gardening shows like Gardener's World, the, the national flower festivals and and congratulations on Chelsea and and all the the other areas that you're moving into. We have none of that in the United States. And uh, I think it is a challenge for for people like me and other educators to try to get some of the new generations enthusiastic about gardening because we're losing a lot of the open space and a lot of the interest that that I think our country used to have in its short history. Interesting. And I wonder, um, certainly over here, um, there's been a big trend towards houseplants. Have you have you noticed that at all in the US? Uh, yes. In fact, I think uh, there are many gardeners who are almost exclusively growing houseplants and, and partly because their yards are so small or because they live in the city. Uh, the type of houseplants that, that most of, of us seem to have are not uh, are fruit bearing or 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 edible. They're just for for decorative purposes. But we do have a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people I know who don't consider themselves gardeners have a house filled with plants. And for myself, who consider myself a gardener, that's one of the toughest things to keep alive as a house plant. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And actually, I have to say, I was with you for, for quite some time. I've only really started getting into the, the houseplant thing, um, which is ironic because uh, my dad was um, bringing them in from, from Europe uh, in the 80s. So, yeah, our nursery has a, uh, has a history of houseplants, but something I miss because I was, I was born in 80, so I was only 10 when he stopped, stopped doing it. Um, so I, I missed that. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely a trend in the UK for it. And certainly when I look around, it seems to be almost a worldwide thing. Absolutely. Interesting. And you mentioned uh, after 
finding out that you needed to learn a lot more about gardening you you went away and read books and blogs and videos and bits and pieces are there any books that stick in your mind that really inspired you uh there there are a number the um uh the first ones one of the teachers that i worked with uh in the garden program was certified in permaculture and so one of the the books that i i used to expand my knowledge base was um, gaia's garden which is a great book about um, the basics of permaculture and uh, that's that's an area i think that has some great philosophies some good ideas for gardening I don't consider myself a permaculturist, though I do practice a lot of the principles. Uh, so Gaia's Garden would be one that I would definitely recommend. Uh, one that that I've thoroughly enjoyed is uh, The Hidden Life of Trees. And uh, it's a book by Peter uh, Wollobin. And, and it really helps explain how trees work in nature and and symbiotic relationships with with the plants around them and and how trees really communicate with each other and they form families and i i really enjoy that book because it it has helped me enlarge my philosophy on gardening which is that all of the plants work together and if you have a completely balanced garden you have fewer problems because and, and that kind of ties in with some of the permaculture principles as well that it's it's a big system if you do it right if you just focus on individual plants you're probably going to have a lot of problems and if you just focus on the insects you're probably going to have a lot of problems but if you look at it as an entire system you you're probably going to have much greater success. And so Gaia's Garden and The Hidden Life of Trees are, are two books that, that have really helped me in, in that arena. Hmm. And then, of course, there's lots of other books. There's, there's The Bees in Your Backyard, which is one of the, the books that, that, again, helps expand that idea where, where you, you look at the, the pollinators and the insects that you don't necessarily think are uh, as important. And, and that book is by Joseph Wilson and Olivia Messenger Carroll. Uh, and so th those are those are the three that are probably at the top of my list, but th there are just so many to, to mention. I just encourage every gardener to find any book on any topic that, that even slightly interests them hmm. and read it and add it to their library. And, and I've got a, a, a library of, of probably about 500 gardening books that I've collected over the years. And, and, and it never ceases to amaze me. Even when I go back and pick up books that I read before, there's always new information. Hmm. Yeah, brilliant. And we, you mentioned it very, very slightly earlier um, about failures and things like that, that every, every gardener, it doesn't matter whether you've been doing it for, for two weeks or or 20 years is always going to have failures. Um, have you got any notable failures that you can remember? <laughs> well, I've got so many failures that I remember. <laughs> uh, I, I have said many times that 
I think I have killed more plants than some gardeners will ever grow. <laughs> and and that's partly because I'm always trying new things and I'm always expanding. But I lived in the state of Oklahoma about 25 years ago. And that was still when I was dabbling in gardening and, and trying to expose my kids to, to some of the basic ideas. And it was even a, a harsher environment than where I am now. Uh, literally in an area that's called Tornado Alley in the United States where tornadoes roll through on a regular basis. And we had deer and we had birds of, of all types. We had insects like you can't imagine. Some of these insects seem to be so large that, that you had to watch your small animals and, you know, so they wouldn't be carried away by the insects. Oh, wow. And I had to fence my garden area to keep the deer out and tried planting in what I now know is terrible soil, but at the time I didn't know much about soil. And in an entire season, I had no plants at all that I could harvest. Wow. With the insects and the birds and whatever animals climbed over the fence, it, it was a complete waste of effort that entire summer. But I used that to my benefit because after that we moved to Colorado. And that's when I really determined that if I was to have any success at all, I needed to learn from my failure and try to analyze it and figure out what went wrong. And what, what I determined was that everything went wrong that particular year. <laughs> I'm interested. What, did you have sort of five or six houses down down the road? Uh, someone growing a beautiful garden, and you, you used to walk past it frustrated. <laughs> uh, well, no. In fact, that was in in hindsight, I should have recognized that there were no other gardens in the area because everyone okay. else had already <laughs> determined that it was virtually impossible, and I was I was spitting into the wind in an attempt to try to have some success. <laughs> and I think you're right, actually, what you say about learning from failures. And I think that is probably part of, um, uh, what would you call it, part of the evolution of what makes your YouTube videos so interesting to watch because you have been through that. I think all of us have been through that. I don't know. I haven't spoke to many people that have had a, a whole year with nothing. But, um, but yeah, I think you're the first, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, but but it was in those years when I knew virtually nothing about gardening and and made about every mistake that one could make. Yeah, um, and I think it's important to say, and I'm I'm sure you're going to second this. Uh, anyone that listens to this podcast or watch one of your YouTube videos or or any YouTube video or any podcast, come to that, who decides to to go out in the garden and, and sow some seeds you'll have failures it might not be that one and it could well be that one but you will definitely have failures oh absolutely in fact uh i i think failure is one of the best ways to learn about gardening and and you know the definition of insanity that has been attributed to albert einstein about uh doing the same thing and expecting different results um that's what we gardeners do. We just keep doing it the same way over and over again, hoping for different results. And 
and we're met with failures and we always think the next season is going to be better <laughs> and it it seems to be an endless journey but but that's where i get so much satisfaction because amidst all those failures there's those successes and when we have those successes it really resonates because we figured it out we figured out what it was we did wrong and we were able to overcome the adversity and have that that particular fruit to enjoy hmm. and i'll tell you what um a failure in gardening is is a lot more pleasurable than a failure in lots of things to be honest <laughs> that's true <laughs> Yes. At least you're outside or or playing around with some soil in in your kitchen or something like that. So yeah, it, it's never uh, time wasted. It can be frustrating, there's no doubt, but it's never time wasted. Absolutely. Excellent. So tell people about where they can they can find out more about you. Maybe get in contact. And, and so um, my nom de plume is Gardener Scott. And I I have a website gardenerscott.com though. I don't give it as much attention as as I probably should because most of my focus is on the YouTube channel, which is also Gardner Scott on YouTube. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at Gardner Scott, and I really pride myself in answering questions and trying to respond to just about every comment, um, particularly on the YouTube and the Facebook sites. I you know, as I said, I'm retired and what I'm doing now full time is is educating gardeners. And so it's really um, no problem whatsoever. And and I help people all the time answering their questions. No cost. It's all free. It's just something I love to do. Just check out Gardener Scott. Excellent. Yeah. So make sure you pop over there, check out some videos. And if you haven't got any questions, like you heard Scott say, make sure you um, ask ask away. He um, he loves answering the questions. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us, Scott. It's been really interesting talking to you. Well, I thank you, Alan. I appreciate your time. And uh, I, I do enjoy your podcast. And, and in a lot of the videos that I watched in, in my journey to learn more, uh, I have recognized that many of the people creating those videos are are the same guests that you've had on your podcast. So uh, it's it's really great company to be part of. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. No problem at all. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.